0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the AI Forecast. I am your host, Ethan, and I'm joined with your other host, Fayaz. Um, And today we are joined by Mr. Green. Um, He uh, works at Santa Clara University and has a PhD in ethics, I believe. So Brian, why don't you introduce yourself a little?
1: Sure. My name is Brian Green. I'm the Director of Technology Ethics at the Markle Center for Applied Ethics at Santa Clara University, and I've been working on issues in technology ethics for, I guess, over 10 years now, and specifically been working on AI issues for about five or six years. In some, in some depth. So
2: I'm Fayaz, I'm your other host, and today's episode is going to be about two very popular AI movies from the 80s and ethical questions concerning them. These movies are Terminator and Short Circuit. Um, as for Terminator, disguised as a human, a cyborg assassin known as a Terminator, travels from 2029 to 1984 to kill Sarah Connor. Now, sent to protect Sarah is Kyle Reese, who divulges the coming of a Skynet an artificial intelligence system that will spark a nuclear holocaust. Now, Sarah Sarah is targeted because Skynet knows that her unborn son will lead the fight against them. With the virtually unstoppable Terminator in a hot pursuit, she and Kyle attempt to escape. Ethan, you can talk about Short Circuit.
0: Yeah. Well, in um, Terminator, that's like a very popular movie, a movie from the 80s. Um, First two movies, great. The rest of them, not so much, but... Um we were just we're planning on talking about like, is it possible to reach that level of artificial intelligence uh in by 2029? And should we let it reach the singularity and wipe out all humans? That's an interest that's just some questions we have. Anyway, now on to short circuit. When one experimental range um of military robots is hit by lightning, it is given a consciousness. It escapes from the military and befriends a young woman, Stephanie Speck. Its creator, Newton Crosby, is desperate to find it, or his entire project may be scrapped. So, uh, Brian, have you seen any of these movies?
1: Yes, I've I've seen both the uh, Terminator, the, the one and two movies. Um, I haven't watched the other ones in the series because, like you said, they they were not nearly as good as the first two. Mm-hmm. And I also watched Short Circuit a long time ago, and I, I remember it as being a pretty funny movie. Yeah
0: um so do you so, think it is possible to reach a terminator level of intelligence by 2029 or is that an unrealistic goal
1: so the one thing i would say with terminator is to make a distinction between the kind of the robots themselves and skynet which is supposed to be the big ai that's behind them all and as in terms of something like skynet becoming conscious or um trying to take over the world, kill humanity, things like that. It's, there's pretty much no feasible way to imagine that being possible in the next few years. I mean, AI consciousness, there are some people who are vehemently in favor of it, say that it's gonna happen. And some people who say, absolutely, it's not gonna happen. I tend to be more on the not side because uh, honestly a computer uh, or an AI is is algorithms running on hardware. Uh, it's not actually that similar to the way the human mind works. They're, very different from each other. Humans are much more similar to animals, for example, than we are to computers. So that Skynet consciousness is not very likely. Uh, If you're talking about killer robots, though, killer robots already exist. Um, They have been, you know, they're they're not something that's really popular in the United States. Uh, The US military doesn't like them, but uh, the US is also not willing to join any kind of treaty banning them. So uh, this is kind of the tension, right? If if you look at uh, if you look at the Terminator movies, that Skynet idea is not a is uh, becoming conscious at least is not very likely. But the killer robots already exist; they just don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that's a shame. Um,
2: I mean, <laughs> as, for the, as for technology rapidly advancing, you already talked about how there's already killer robots, which is actually a really scary concept to actually comprehend. Um. Is that? Do you think is that like a positive or a negative change? Like a follow-up question, or is it like neither?
1: So I think it's pretty negative, and I think the 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 reason that it's negative is because it's really, really uh, something that can only be deployed by very wealthy countries, right? And and they're going to be most effective against people who don't have them. So it's very likely that uh, when these sorts of weapons are deployed, they're going to be deployed against people who are not capable of defending themselves. Um, because if you honestly, if you have two equal level powers, it's just going to be a bunch of machines killing each other, right? Or destroying each other, not, not killing. But uh, if it turns into, uh, if it's more asymmetrical than that, if it involves a very powerful country against a weaker country, then it's just going to be a, a big slaughter and it's going to be terrible. Well, let's say um, that like
0: the next big war, like the next world war, will have a bunch of killer robots fighting each other. Wouldn't that mean less
1: like human deaths and more machine deaths? So so first of all, I I think that uh, the idea of another world war is is hopefully out of the question, uh, because uh, basically both sides would get totally destroyed. Right. With nuclear weapons. There's there's no incentive to make that happen unless one of the sides is totally crazy. and and then of course the next step is let's let's rule nuclear weapons out of it, or let's just say that uh, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be World War III, right? It's going to be a more regional level war. If it's a war between countries that are uh, using autonomous weapons, yes, the weapons will attack each other. But at some point, one of the sides is going to run out or they're going to get cyber attacked and their factories are going to uh, collapse or their electrical power grid is going to be taken down or something like that is going to happen, which is going to uh, leave them vulnerable. And ultimately, one side will end up losing. There's a lot of incentive not to get involved in wars anymore because the the risk of loss is too high. Um, One way you can think about it is that there's just so much infrastructure that's had so much money spent on it in the last, you know, decades and decades. Nobody really wants to risk, you know, having all their cities obliterated, right? That's a ridiculous, a ridiculously huge loss of effort and work. Um, it doesn't really make sense. So the only risk really is either from an accident or from uh, a crazy, you know, person trying to, you know, leader of a country doing something like this. Mm. So which nations have started development on um, killer robots? So, so China has already been talking about this. South Korea has been working on it. Russia has talked about developing them. Uh, the United States is kind of interesting because right now the rule for the United States is that a weapon can either be lethal or it can be autonomous. In other words, you can have a completely autonomous reconnaissance robot or something like that, where you just tell it, Hey, go look at that thing. And it'll do that and then come back and tell you what it saw. But, uh, a lethal, a lethal weapon system requires approval from a human before making that decision. In other words, the kill decision requires a human to uh, approve it. Um, however, it's very easy to see that if the United States ever got in a war-type situation, it could uh, very easily uh, transform these semi-autonomous systems, where where everything is automated except the kill decision, and then just turn that over into a completely automated system. So while the U.S military philosophy is against the idea of lethal autonomous weapon systems, they uh, are in a situation where they could easily switch to that uh, more autonomous weapons design if they wanted to. Do you um, think I, that, oh, sorry, you go first.
2: Um, I was just, I just had a question. Just to kind of steer away from a militaristic point of view, Um, just taking into account of neither country even even not having the incentive to get into a war, do you think when it's just about advancements maybe it was a good idea for um, the government or private corporations to have access to military-like AI or any type of advance- advancements that have been made in AI, just for like the sake of advancements.
1: So, so one of the good things about AI research is that it's almost always done uh, well. Let me, let me back up, there's pure research and then there's applied research, right? So for a long time, AI research with neural networks was extremely theoretically oriented. There wasn't any applied aspect to it uh, just because they ran so incredibly slowly. But as the hardware uh, caught up in terms of speed with what the algorithms needed to do, it made it a lot more practical to use these things. And so all of a sudden machine learning and neural networks uh, shifted over from being in a very theoretical area Uh, to being a much more applied type of research. And uh, the good news now is that a lot of that applied research is really, really helpful, right? It helps with efficiency Mm -hmm. in in the power grid, it helps with data mining, it helps with thinking about how to make better healthcare decisions, those sorts of things. There's all sorts of tremendous benefits that are uh, possible with AI, uh, but it does also have a huge risky downside. And the question is, how do we go forward and make sure that AI is being directed towards these really good uses but being limited in terms of its really bad uses.
0: Um, Do you think that the um, technology being basically uh, developed by Boston Dynamics will ever be used in a harmful way? Because I believe their goal is to use them for like um, emergencies where they it's too risky to send like a human in, but they could send in like a robot dog or something.
1: Right, so Boston Dynamics is a pretty well-known and pretty uh, advanced robotic uh, development company. Um, I'm not sure how interested they are in military stuff right now, that's a good question, but it's very easy to see how that sort of technology could be transferred over that. I mean, if you're thinking about the Terminator movies, once again, right, they already have kind of a humanoid looking robot that can do pretty cool tricks. Um, but then uh, it turns out that, that uh, you know, maybe that's not the best design for an autonomous weapon system, right? It uh, turns out that most of these lethal autonomous weapon systems look like a tank with a gun on top of it, and they just roll around. Um, and of course, Boston Dynamics is not the only country or only company, sorry, that's working on these sorts of uh, weapon systems. There are lots of other companies too, and uh, it's it's really depends on where the money are, right? If you're a company, you got to make money, and if somebody's going to pay you for making one type of robot as opposed to another kind, then that's gonna be the kind that you tend to produce.
2: Um, do you think like if the like the AI that's being developed by companies like Boston Dynamics, do you, th- do you see that affecting people in their daily lives or do you only like by the end of the decade or do you only see these weapons and or AI technology only being in the hands of like powerful corporations or the military?
1: So I think that it will start to uh, affect us. It will, it's gonna, For one thing that you can put these robots to work in factories, right? So like uh, all these giant warehouses that have workers in them right now, the workers get repetitive stress injuries, all these other uh, sort of bad things happen to them. Uh, It's not, you know, it's not the greatest work either. Um, So robots are going to fit right in there. They're going to gradually take over those jobs and and, uh, those folks are going to be out of work. Now, hopefully uh, they'll be able to find something better and more rewarding to work on um but it's a it's a question right how many of these things are going to get automated at the same time and how many people are going to be out of work at the same time that's something that we're going to have to deal with going forward um and so looking at it once again kind of from the perspective of your question that's still a matter of like really big companies using ai um it's not clear to me whether whether individuals like in their house or in their family are gonna be ever using really huge AI systems, right? We're gonna have limited uh, AI uh, wants that we wanna have, right? And, and we'll be able to get that as a service from a big company, right? Usually that's what they're planning for, at least right now they're thinking of AI as a service is kind of the way they're describing it, which is that if you do have a need for a robot, then you know a robot will come and help you, but then it'll probably go off and clean somebody else's house after that, right?
0: Yeah, there are also like already like those robot cafes in like Japan and stuff. So we're already starting.
1: Yes, so that's true, right? You, you might, you could easily encounter them at a business or somewhere like that. Um, and of course, we deal with with uh, bots when we're, you know, dealing with things on the internet or, or doing customer service things very often. Uh, so it's definitely going to affect people. The question is exactly uh, what that effect is going to be. And it's not always totally clear exactly how these things are going to work, right? Um, there's there's certainly a strong incentive to to uh, use these bad uses, right? So for example, uh, robo calling a bunch of people in order to like try to get them into some kind of scam, right? We got scam phone calls all the time. And that's not a very advanced, you know, that's not even artificial intelligence at all, really. It's just, you know, dialing every number until somebody picks up um, but you can imagine much more sophisticated AI being used to, to fake people's voices or things like that, uh, which could be very, uh, you know, pretty bad thing in the future. Yeah. Um, so AI- To
0: combat those um, robocalls, there, are, I believe Google is working on software to like try detecting those robocalls using AI. So it's really starting that AI versus AI warfare.
1: Yeah. Yes, you're you're absolutely correct. A lot of cyber security right now consists of automated attacking and automated defense, um, and that's because humans simply are not fast enough too. This is another incentive uh, to go towards the automated route. Is if you rely on people, it were too slow. Um, the the AI system is always watching. It'll always be there and always respond within microseconds um, or milliseconds, or you know, much faster than a human can do it. But uh, these, this speed question is definitely an important one, ethically speaking also, um, because you know, that, that takes humans out of the loop. It kind of forces us out, right? It, it, uh, it turns it over uh, to, the, to the AI system in such a way where uh, humans can't necessarily keep control of it.
2: Um, Do you see any potential risks with taking an automated route? Because a lot of people kind of um, assume that AI is kind of a replacement for human activities rather than um, just using it as a service. So, if.
1: So, so definitely there's a replacement problem. Uh, There will be a whole bunch of tasks that end up getting replaced by AI. Um, There's a lot of logistics related tasks. There's a lot of accounting uh, there's a lot of, I mean, automated trading on Wall Street is a huge thing. For example, Any, the more it involves money, the faster it's going to get automated or, or you know, whatever other high stakes activity you can think of. Um, and then the question is, uh, you know, things that happen in households usually uh, aren't, aren't that high stakes. So it tends to get into your house maybe later than other places. But of course, it's going to affect your house in other ways. It's going to affect whether the people working in that house have a job, right? Or what particular kind of job they have. And of course, uh, you know, young people growing up or growing up, you're, you're gonna be growing up into this system where uh, things are gonna be changing rapidly and you gotta be prepared to, to perhaps learn new things and adjust to the way the world is changing around you. Do you believe that uh,
0: AI is being put into things where it's unnecessary? like those, these smart products are getting weirder and weirder by the day. I've seen a smart water bottle that tells you when you're thirsty. Um, What is your opinion on stuff like that?
1: That's funny. (laughs) Um, That's, that's the first thing I would say is that, you know, AI is also a marketing gimmick, right? It's, uh, it's something you can sell to people. It sounds exciting and it doesn't really matter whether you need to have you know who needs a water bottle to tell them that they're thirsty? Probably not that many people. Uh, maybe there are some people who are very forgetful who forget to drink water during the day, and perhaps they could benefit from that. But your average person is not going to need a product like that. Uh, so yeah, you sh- you should also think about AI as being a brand name or something that's going to be uh, you know a marketing gimmick in a lot of ways. Yeah.
0: Um... So we you touched a little on um, AI is replacing a lot of jobs in Short Circuit there was a uh, AI that gained a consciousness. Um, first, you said that um, that you don't believe that will happen, but let's say there is this AI that's developed that could have emotions. Do you believe that it could replace like therapists, for say, or doctors, or um, positions that we wouldn't expect to be replaced?
1: So that's a that's a really good question. Uh, the first thing I would say is that while I don't think that it's very likely that a machine can develop consciousness, I would I will say that there are an awful lot of people working on it. And there's a lot of money behind that too. And there's also a lot of people who are going to be working on products that really, really simulate it as closely as possible, right? Um so it'll look like the robot has emotions, even if it doesn't, or it'll, it'll, it'll at least learn to be emotionally Manipulative, or something like that, which is something we can already envision with the way that uh, you know, very, very uh, many uh, social media, for example, has been used to channel propaganda and false news and things like that because it preys on on our natural human psychological weaknesses. Um, so, I guess what I would say is that if if robots can become really good at simulating those sorts of things, then people will start to believe that they're kind of like people, right? Um, and they should be. Um, you know, when this happens, we can, we can, uh, do, you know, a couple different things, right? We can either start treating them as though they are like people in some ways, um, or we can choose not to do that. Uh, the Question: I would say is that we should remember not only the status of the uh, automated system or the robot or AI, but also think about our own kind of habits and how we treat people. Because if we start, you know, we've already seen this with, uh, you know, people talking to Siri and Alexa, and they'll sometimes they'll, you know, say a bunch of insulting things to these, uh, you know, speakers, and uh, and you know that can you know, some people find that to be therapeutic, but other for other people, it can be, uh, you know, a bad habit to produce, right? It starts getting into a bad habit, and you start treating other people that way. Um, so it's a really uh, kind of an interesting question as to how this is going to affect us, right? Because one of the things with AI is that uh, we shouldn't expect our treatment of AI to stay only with uh, AI or robots. We should also probably affect it, expect it to affect how we treat each other. One, um, we- so on Oh, you go for, Sorry for asking.
2: As for AI becoming more human-like, we can already actually see examples about in deepfakes where you can literally use the data that's being inputted to mimic another person's emotions. And what's your take on that? Because there's already been um, some advancements that have been made there, and that's actually causing more fraud and more um, negative impacts on that. So, what's your take on that? How how is there like a way to mitigate that issue, or has it already been too worse off?
1: So, so you're exactly right that that's a huge problem and it's gonna get worse. Um, the, the, I mean, they, there are lots of people working on how to detect this, right? How do you detect that a video has been faked? How do you detect that uh, something is being used for manipulation? And ultimately it's gonna to get to the point where people aren't necessarily gonna be able to do this as, you know, as an individual uh, when I get the phone call where it sounds like my mom is calling me on the phone, right? And uh, h- how am I going to be able to believe that? And the answer is maybe at some point in the future we can't. Maybe we have to hang up and say, "Okay, mom, I'm going to call you back," uh, and then and then uh, you can tell me because then you'll be able to trust. Hopefully, that you're actually talking to your mom. Although theoretically, they could you know mess with the telephone system also if they really wanted to make it uh, difficult.
0: Well, but no.
1: uh, oh, oh so, uh, sorry, just just one more thing, yeah. which is that. Um, If individuals, if we as individuals aren't able to defend ourselves against that kind of attack, then we need to develop the automated systems that can do that for us. And uh, so that's going to, you know, that's going to be useful and somebody's going to step into that role, right? Some company is going to say, oh, there's money to be made here protecting people from fraud. Um, And so hopefully they will develop that product and hopefully it'll be uh, developed faster than the fraudulent activities can be developed.
2: So would that whole case just be like another scenario of AI versus AI?
1: that's what it ends up coming down to right yeah. and and uh you you can start to see pretty quickly how it could become pretty futile or uh something uh you know a waste of effort right it's like why are we spending all this money attacking each other couldn't we come up with a better way to spend our time
0: yeah one um deep fakes are getting really worrying i believe there was a case in i think florida where a um mom made like deep fakes of her daughter's like cheerleader members or something like that and made it very inappropriate and I think she went to jail or something um and you said how that is a um problem that will continue to get worse do you think that we should just tell all these individuals who are working on it to stop working on deep fakes
1: So, so unfortunately, that's impossible. I think, right, because of all we have to do is look at the movie industry, right, and and any type of computer-generated imagery in movies or video games. It's just going to be too. There's too much uh, incentive to have the technology go in that direction. So, and we don't want to hamper the the entertainment industry, right? There's there's entertainment value to it, but the question is, how do we control these tools, perhaps, so they don't get into everybody's hands? Because if everybody has access to these things, then that's, everybody's going to include bad people. And so the question is, how do we, um, how do we really uh, try to control who has access to these things? Or is that even possible? Maybe it's not possible anymore in the age of the internet. Um, And if it's not possible, then I don't think that we can stop the development of the technology, but we can at least hopefully uh, get the solutions before the problems uh, get too big. I mean, this is one of those things that's been going on for a long time with cybersecurity, where somebody finds a defect in a system, right? And it used to be that if you if you were you know hacking into somebody's system just to see you know just for fun, just to see if you could do it, um, then that was illegal, and you'd get uh, you could get sent to jail for that. But uh, nowadays, uh, the companies realize, oh, these people are doing free presentations free penetration testing for us you know and they get a bug bounty for it right you pay them and say hey if you can break into our system then we give you two, twenty thousand bucks or something because you saved us a whole bunch of money uh, ultimately because we didn't get hacked so i think we need to look at these things in the future in terms of how can we actually incentivize the good behavior how can we incentivize people instead of trying to rip each other off and commit fraud and scams all the time is there some way that we can take all that effort and turn it towards hey catch the scammers or find these people who are doing the fraud activities and say, hey, stop doing what you're doing. Um, we'll pay you instead to do the right thing and catch people who are like you and put them in jail. I mean, and, and you can look at that and say, well, that's kind of sketchy, right? Because you're, you're uh, working with people who are known criminals, but they're the people who know how to break the system the best in the first place, right? They, they're the ones who know how to exploit it. And so they're probably also the people who can figure out the best ways to stop what they've been doing all this time.
0: Yeah, a few, I feel, uh, if I remember correctly, a few years ago, um, Adobe showcased a software that they developed that was similar to deepfaking, but for audio. And they decided not to release it to the public due to worries that it would be used in not good ways. Um, and then I believe back in 2019, another software basically that did the same thing, but a little worse started to be released to the public. Um, and I believe that, um, as you said, you can't really force people to not work on it, because then if someone stops working on it, someone else is just going to pick it up and continue. Um, So do you believe that we're going to have to, in the future, come up with like questions or code words that you have to tell each other in the beginning of conversations at like all times, just to make
1: sure the other person is the actual person or something like that? (laughs) <laughs> so I could I could see that potentially being true, but of course, you know, everything's if everything's listening to you, uh, those you're gonna have to change those uh, code words like every day. Um, I guess one of the things I would say with that is that yes, there's a there's a whole bunch of companies working on this, um, but really, I th- I think there's an opportunity actually with kind of uh, big tech companies have been thinking more about ethics recently, and this is actually an encouraging thing. Uh, because, like you said, they uh, very often choose not to release these powerful tools that they develop. They say, okay, how do we how do we uh, make sure that this doesn't become a problem? Well, we hold on to them. Now, that's also kind of a, a clever business choice, right? Because it means that they're the ones who have the, the uh, technology and other people don't. But, uh, you know, there's been, in, in AI research over time, there's been a really strong incentive to share everything, to be really, really open about uh, these developments. But in the last few years, I think a lot of researchers have decided this is actually pretty dangerous. We can't just take these incredibly powerful tools and give them to everyone. Uh, It's like, you know, it's one thing for for everybody in the country to have a gun, you know, that's bad enough. You know, we experience this in the United States every day with with, uh, all sorts of bad things happening with guns. It's a totally different thing if you give everybody access to explosives, right? Or if you give everyone access to things that are even worse than that. So the question is, what's the limit? And if we're dealing with uh, with very complex uh, cyber systems, some of these people are going to be, you know, they're going to be folks at, out there who are really good at uh, at uh, breaking into these systems or utilizing them for, for various good or bad purposes. And so once again, it becomes, how do you really incentivize the good behavior and disincentivize the bad behavior?
0: What is incredibly worrying is that uh, I believe that Google removed or completely removed everyone in their ethics
1: team. Um, do you see other companies following that? So, so Google didn't remove everyone in their ethics team. There are a couple of very prominent people there who, who were fired. Um, and so that's very unfortunate what happened there, um, but it's a big complicated issue. Uh, it's a pretty huge issue actually. Um, and so um, what, happened, what happened there definitely had a negative effect on the overall technology industry in, in terms of thinking about ethics It made every other company said, whoa, what happened here? Uh, this looks a little dangerous now this this idea of, of wanting to talk about ethics. Um, but I think it's not going to stop the overall drive right which is that eth- people, people who work in technology don't want to make bad technology they want to make good technology. And, and that fundamental desire to actually do the right thing is really important here I think the technology workers. Who have been working on these sorts of issues really have a strong incentive to do the right thing. It's just a matter of how do we actually make sure that the technology gets used for those right things, and that requires some some higher scale management decisions and uh, making sure that ethics is actually institutionalized into the company so that people you know they have to do the ethics review right. It's not just an option. And uh, hopefully, you know, based on that deeper level of ethical thinking, that uh, then better ethical choices will be made.
2: Um, I was actually this conversation actually kind of made me think that um, the whole issue of like trustworthy versus untrustworthy kind of kind of comes up when you're talking about AI and as Ethan said. um, There have been many instances about that so um and then that type of information kind of falls into hands of people like conspiracy theorists who can spread false information about that and that can if they produce that information to like a a social media platform, that information spreads really quick. So is there, my question is, is there a way a corporation or even the government can take an initiative to mitigate that issue and just kind of focus on AI advancement versus false information spreading really quickly?
1: So that's a, once again, a really huge question. That's a really good thing to be thinking about. Um, The misinformation problem is huge. And it's not just uh you know when you're talking about misinformation there's actually two things misinformation just means information that's false and then there's also disinformation disinformation means it's intentionally misleading you're trying to trying to lie to someone in order to get them to do something that they wouldn't otherwise do you're trying to deceive them and trick them and and harm them Uh, so misinformation you know very often it's just you know something false it's a wrong fact but the disinformation problem also is definitely there um The technology companies have an incentive to try to control this on their own. However, I don't know if it's a strong enough incentive to actually solve the problem. Um, So social media, you're right, has definitely had this problem. But uh, unless it actually connects to how much money they're making, then uh, there's not that much incentive to actually solve the problem. And so the way you connect it to the amount of money that they're making is to pass some kind of law about it, right? If if you can either uh, get the government to say, uh, that spreading misinformation means you get penalized money. Uh, that's one way to look at it. But in the United States, we have freedom of speech. So, you know, once again, you've got, uh, there's something else that's, that's uh, you know, freedom of speech actually protects a lot of misinformation, unfortunately. It's only when the misinformation becomes really, really bad, like, uh, you know, the First Amendment standard is shouting fire in a crowded theater. You cause a public panic or you harm people or you threaten people. Uh, you're not allowed to do that uh, under the First Amendment so there uh these these forms of speech can actually get into that right if you're spreading vaccine misinformation because you want people to die from from covid or something like that then uh that's pretty bad you should be held responsible for that and that form of speech should be uh you know uh stopped uh but you know these are ultimately things that end up in court or decided in you know the the government legislature and they're not simple issues and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of uh, ethical tension on both sides, because you don't want to have misinformation everywhere. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to be suppressing people's freedom of speech.
2: Um, yeah. Just to kind of circle back to the whole idea of AI being human-like, um, as shown in short circuit. Um, so AI can become human-like, completely human-like, as shown in short circuit. So that means if AI can take over one job, that means humans are losing jobs or people. So how do you think that wealth uh, wealth distribution and profit would be changed in the overall economy when it comes to AI replacing jobs that humans once had?
1: So that's a good question. and And I mean, once again, I kind of push back a little bit because I don't think AI is going to be I don't think it's actually gonna become emotional. I don't think it's actually gonna have real consciousness um, but it is gonna simulate those things very closely. And then the question is how good is the simulation gonna be compared to the real thing, right? Because we'll always know that the real thing is real. Other people are real other people. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to be able to tell that uh, the AI or the robot is not the real thing. And you know, if we can't, then that becomes a, a bigger problem because of all the deception issues we've been talking about so far. But uh, it will, you know, getting into the jobs question, there are gonna be jobs that are taken over by AI for sure. And money's gonna start flowing towards these AI companies. And these companies have already talked about it. So for example, OpenAI has been talking a lot about how, um, you know, if there, if there is this huge amount of money that all gets pulled in towards the AI companies, the AI companies should probably figure out some way to not end up, you know, ruining the world. They should, they should probably voluntarily uh, want to make sure that money is still circulating through society because uh, if nobody has any money, nobody can buy our product either. So uh, some people have talked about universal basic income, they've talked about other ways to try to distribute money like distributing stock from these companies out to everybody. Um, that way everybody's partly an owner and they should be, you know, sharing in the benefits from that. But it's really a question of how we want to structure how money is going to flow in the future. Um, and it's not clear exactly what that will be. However, Uh, there's a lot of evidence during the pandemic that, uh, you know, people get this check from the government as a stimulus check. And then what do people do? They buy a bunch of stuff on Amazon and Amazon gets a bunch of money from it. Uh, So you can see very quickly how the money goes out and then it goes to Amazon and then it sits there. Um, Now, if it somehow goes from Amazon back to the people, then that's a good thing because at least the money is moving around. But if it never actually moves around, then uh, that becomes a problem.
0: If um, an AI that is developed that can replicate human emotions and pain and basically replicate everything almost perfectly but obviously as you said you don't believe that it can become like its own consciousness do you think we should treat it like a machine or
1: like an ai so so that's a great question i i guess what i would say is that I don't think it's very likely that it's possible that a machine can become conscious or or become or have real emotions, um, and I th- but I think it's one hundred percent absolutely going to happen that somebody's going to make a simulation of that. So I think the simulation side is super super likely, like you know one hundred percent chance of that happening. Uh, for the real side of it, I think it's like I don't know one in a million, one in a billion. It's still possible, but uh, I don't think it's very likely. Um, and then the the, the question of uh, what do we do with that right do we give them rights um it's a hard question i mean honestly you know there i think what we want to do is we want to start with people first right there are plenty of humans in the world who don't have human rights yet uh, so think about the humans you know when when uh Sophia the robot was granted citizenship in saudi arabia a few years ago there was a huge uproar about it because women in Saudi Arabia don't have, you know, the same human rights as men do. And so then they gave it to, you know, these same sorts of rights to a robot, which isn't even a very sophisticated robot. It was just a publicity stunt basically. Um, And lots of people said, hey, how about giving humans human rights first before giving them to a robot? Um, I think that's that's kind of the higher priority is making sure everybody in the world gets these human rights first. Um, If it gets to the point, you know, I don't know how far in the future where we can't actually tell or it looks like uh, you know there's really strong evidence that uh, robots or artificial intelligences have an internal life. You know they're thinking to themselves, they have daydreams. Uh, you know they have desires. They, they act just like human in all the relevant ways. Then they should they should be treated like people. Um, they aren't. We probably shouldn't call them human beings, right? We should call them you know another category. They're some sort of person or some sort of consciousness. But uh, we, they probably should have another category of just, you know, this is another type of, uh, of a being that needs to be treated with uh, respect and dignity.
2: Um, I guess what all of these ideas kind of boil down to is the fact that it, there's a lot of doubt when dealing with AI, and AI can either benefit people or harm them, whether it be physically or socially or emotionally. So, if AI, for say, if AI receives the power to harm millions, as shown in Terminator, um, who is actually responsible for this? Is it the corporations or the AI itself, or who is actually responsible?
1: So, so right now, it's always the people who are creating it, right? If, you're, if your machine goes off and tears somebody's house down, let's say you make an automated bulldozer and the bulldozer goes off track and bulldozes somebody's house, you're not going to say, oh, bad bulldozer, you know, you, you did a bad thing and wave your finger at it and put the bulldozer in jail. That doesn't make any sense, right? Instead, you say, hey, people running the bulldozer, why did you make such a machine that was going to go and do something? destructive like that. You're liable. The corporation's going to have to pay damages. If somebody gets killed by, by the, you know, the machine going awry, somebody needs to pay for it, uh, you know, whether they need to be punished criminally or otherwise, you know, somebody has to be responsible for that. Um, and as these systems scale up to be bigger and bigger, then, you know, you got to scale up the liability and damages too. Um, you know, and of course, if it comes down to like the AI ends up trying to destroy the world or something like that, then, Uh, You know that's a pretty big problem. Uh, Nobody gets held responsible at the end except maybe everybody dies right if you have mutually assured destruction if it you know it's going to cause a nuclear war everybody ends up dead, Uh, probably including you know all the robots because they very likely haven't been programmed to uh, to to think through the full repercussions of their actions, you know, you know, assuming that Skynet consciousness is not possible. but uh, you need to really prevent these things from happening in the first place. So one of the other things I study is is catastrophic risk and you know emerging technologies and the kind of damages that they could have. And when you get to these really really big and dangerous risks, you have to prevent them from happening in the first place. You can't just let the robot destroy, you know, the entire continent of North America and then be like, "oops, that was a problem." Instead, you need to prevent it from happening in the first place.
0: Are the um so when you bring up like um Catastrophic events that could happen. Are people still using the three laws of robotics thought of in iRobot in AI's? Do they still co- do they program into them saying you can't harm a human and you must listen
1: to us, stuff like that? So I mean, th- so this is a great question, right? You know, and it's a wonderful starting point. Also, once again, using you know fiction and and literature to to think about these sorts of things because there has been so much thought done on that in the past. Um, The three laws of robotics it turns out are really hard to implement right you can't just tell the robot hey don't kill people because it's like I don't, it it can't there's nobody there right you're you're telling a, a machine something that it can't understand it fundamentally can't understand what's going on it has to know what a person is it has to know what hurts people it has to know what benefits people there are way too many things that you have to specify and it ends up being really really complicated uh this is one of the reasons self-driving cars are so complicated right you have to you have to make sure that it doesn't run people over and it follows the traffic rules and all those sorts of things so the three laws of robotics actually are really great starting point for thinking about ethical problems but they're not practical in terms of uh, actually implementing these sorts of issues. Um, I guess the, the the only law of robotics that actually has an implementation side to it that's practical is follow orders, right? Because that's fundamentally what machines do. They, they do what you tell them to, even if that's not what you really want. So it becomes really important to specify what your objectives are and to make sure that the AI is actually doing what you want it to do. Otherwise, you might tell it to maximize for, uh, yeah, I mean, think about think about all the algorithms that the big uh, social media platforms use. If you're maximizing user engagement, it ends up actually radicalizing people into these polar opposites where everybody hates each other, right? Because that's how you maximize engagement. You end up radicalizing people so if they're obsessed with watching, you know, conspiracy theories on your platform all day long. Um, so, you know, you got to be really careful how you, what you're actually uh, selecting for when you're setting these things up. We've thought about a lot
0: of um, bad things with AIs. Are there any AI developments that you're personally
1: excited for? Um, so I guess I guess the, once again, the, the opportunities in medical science, I think are really, really important. Um, if, you, if there's so much data out there in medicine, if you can take those big data sets and really find a lot of ways to hopefully prevent illness rather than just treat the illness, that would be great for public health. Um, I think there are a lot of opportunities in that area and also for for coming up with treatments for diseases and things like that, Um, although that's going to take a lot more work. One of the other things that I'm actually excited about, um, and very few people think about the upside of technology automating a lot of jobs, right? Um, There are going to be a lot of jobs that are automated, uh, which has, uh, you know, clear, you know, downside to it. However, some of those jobs are not jobs that are actually that much fun to do, right? They're just like, you know, you sit in a factory and you do something boring. If you can turn that over to the machine, that's actually good. Maybe you can spend your time doing better things. And if lots and lots of jobs get automated, maybe we can spend a lot more time hanging out with our friends or talking with our family or, you know, spend more time, you know, taking care of, you know, kids when they're, when they're uh, growing up or, uh, you know, helping disabled people or, or taking care of the elderly. There are so many things that humans are really better at than machines are. And a lot of them have to do with these caring professions, right? You know, right now people, you know, parents don't get paid for taking care of their own children, right? And there's a good reason for that. It's because never before in human history has that ever been done. However, there really is a lot of work that goes into raising children. And so it would be great if, you know, people didn't have to do the same kind of work. You know, you you could give people a check that says, hey, you're doing a great job raising your kid here's some money to help you raise your kid and or here's money to help you take care of your, your disabled, you know, family member or, or elderly, you know, parent, those sorts of things. Uh, I think that, uh, that AI sh- could give us an opportunity to spend a lot more time, uh, actually doing things that humans do best, right. Which is caring about each other, which is something that a robot is very unlikely to ever do as well as a human. Yeah.
0: So I feel like there's one last question that I have, um, which is, so y- is there ever gonna be a killing machine that looks
1: like Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I could see this being possible, right? It's, uh, you've, we've already got the kind of the Boston Dynamics robot that looks like a person. And uh, all you have to do is, you know, put the Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of look on top of it. Uh, and uh, hopefully, Hopefully they don't uh, actually get a gun and start killing people, right? But it is possible that uh, this could happen at some point in the future, so we should probably be prepared for it.
0: Well, um, I guess just to leave the it, answer. Off, yeah, <laughs>
2: I guess just to leave it on as a leave it to like a good note. Um, we've seen like there's many downsides to the AI advancements that have been happening right now, but there have also been many benefits. So it's it was actually a really nice conversation to have with you about to connect these ideas and these theories back to these movies that have been made back in the 80s. And we see those advancements actually happening right now, which is really crazy to think about because people wouldn't, I, I don't think people would even kind of imagine advan- advancements like uh, what we see right now can be even happening right now back in like 2010. So this was, I, I guess, a really good conversation Ethan if you have anything to add to that
0: um no I'm pretty good and I'm um, thank you again Brian for joining us is there any things you want to shout out like if you have any social media accounts or a website that you want to shout well, out
1: I guess one thing I would say first of all thank you so much for having me on your podcast this has been a really fun conversation I really enjoyed it um and I would just say you know as you're, as you're looking out there, uh, think about uh, ethics. So think about, uh, you know, places that do ethics like the Markle Center for Applied Ethics at Santa Clara University. Um, and think about, you know, if you're going into a career in technology, think about ethics all the time. How is this really gonna make the world a better place? And how can we make sure this technology is not uh, being used to make the world a worse place? And it's not just in technology, right? It's if you go into policy or you go into business or you go into anywhere, always think about, well, how do, how do we actually make the world better instead of worse?
0: Well, thanks again. And I guess we can end it here. Yep.
1: Thank
2: you so much. Thank
0: you. Thank you.